Thanks for joining this episode of the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Nancy Anderson, and I'm here with Linda Descano, Executive Vice President of Red Havas US. Linda, how are you doing today? I'm well, Nancy. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm excited for this one. We've brought together a great cast for the show. Tell us who's joining you and what we're going to talk about. Well, in our annual Red Sky Predictions Report for 2021, we posed the question, is 2022 the year of an experiential renaissance in retail? Is this the year that brands will fully merge experiential and retail, completely reimagine the shopping experience? And by turning a store into a destination, will brands be able to ensure that there's a future for their brick and mortar shops that they're not only staying relevant, but they begin to complement e-commerce efforts and more fully bring a brand to life? The team that we're going to speak with today, our colleagues both from the US and Australia, explored this even further and just published a new white paper called A New Lens for Brand Experience that digs deeper into the factors that are shaping brand experience in this new environment. So joining us for today's roundtable are the co-authors of the white paper and they represent Red Havas in both the US and Australia. They include Steve Fontenot, Courtney Myers, Michael Ozard, and Anna Funk. And then we'll wrap our episode with Vice President of Content, Ellen Mallarney Barnes, who interviews Mel Panabi, Business Director at Red Havas Philippines, for our Red Questionnaire. That's where we ask the same questions to different guests to understand what inspires them and makes them tick. But first, Linda, I'll pass it over to you and the team to get our conversation underway. Thank you, Nancy. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. So lovely to have you today. So our topic is, is about um, the new white paper that we've just released from Red Havas called A New Lens on Brand Experience. Steve, you've led this work uh, for us. So let's start out by having you set the stage about what the white paper covers and why explore this topic now. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to see you, Linda and, and everyone. Um, firstly, I will not take the credit for having led this. Uh, I will I will say that uh, Michael Carner and Court did uh, the bulk of the uh, of the work. So it really is uh, credit to them for all their hard work. But um, I guess for, for me, what is exciting is just to see where the world of experiential is right now and brand experience and, and where it's going. You know, when we were working most recently together on pulling together the Red Sky predictions for to be launched, which we launched back in February a month ago. As we're going through it, looking at predictions for the brand experience space, we realized that there was a lot, right? There was just a lot of not just uh, potential, but actual opportunity and where things have changed and how the pandemic has actually affected brand experience. And so that's, I guess, where the excitement came from and this idea of saying, well, if we've got all these wonderful thoughts, ideas, and trends and forecasts, how about we pull it together and actually talk about what the future is and what this new lens on, on brand experience is going to be. So that's kind of how this all kicked off and then caught, caught uh, Michael and Kana really took it um, by the horns and, and moved forward on it. I think for, for us, you know, in Australia as, as well as globally, it's pretty clear what the pandemic did to anything that, that included physical experiences, right? It came to a pretty screeching halt uh, literally overnight. Um, and so what it meant was that as an industry, as a business, as a group of communicators, we needed to figure out 
other ways to create connections with consumers and with people that still had the legitimacy and the depth of connection without being able to have a physical connection, right? So I think that this idea of this new wave of brand experience has really come as out the back of the pandemic. Now, putting aside all of the horrible human costs that came from the pandemic, and that's you know a topic for another conversation, but what it did do is it actually put our brand experience industry in a position to say, where are we? Where are we going? And why aren't we there yet? So I'm really excited to see this this paper, this white paper come together with some of these trends, including retail experiential, which is something we've spoken about in in a podcast back in August, I think it was. And I think we got really excited about those those opportunities. And then you know the Wonderlust experience of Wonderlust and um, using co-creation as a creative agent and you know, the metaverse and what does that mean and how does that actually come into play when we talk about brand experiences and the future of them? Um, the bespoke nature of brand experiences, you know, that that depth versus uh, reach and that constant tension that sort of exists in the world that we live in in brand experience. So it's exciting to see where, we're at, where we are, where we've come from, but it's really exciting to see where we're going. And so the pandemic did, uh, was a bit of a great, leveler or equalizer for brands. In other words, saying you not being digitally savvy enough is no longer okay. So the fact that this idea of blending of the physical and digital coming together has become incredibly critical. And I think good brands have found ways to blend those well. But now that the world is opening up again, how do we still ensure that physical matters just as much and often more so than digital? And more important than that, the blend of the two. Yeah, I I love that. And I really love this white paper. And for all of our listeners, we will have a link to both the white paper and the predictions report that Steve just referenced um, in our show notes, because it does really take a holistic view of brand experience and also from the lens of customers as well as employees. So really also thinking holistically about brand experience. And, you know, you just sort of said something that that triggered, you know, one of the things I know we've talked a lot about, and many people have said, you know, will the pandemic and how it accelerated digital sort of, does this mark the, the final death knell of brick and mortar retail? And so, Michael, maybe you could talk a little bit about that because, you know, all we keep hearing is like everyone is now focused on TikTok, right? TikTok made me bite. It's the new thing that I hear people saying. So, you know, what is the the chatter? Is there a future for brick and mortar retail in this blended experience? And if so, how will it be different? Thanks, Linda. Look, yeah, I know this is this obviously a topic that gets Steve very excited. Um, and, and we know that the pandemic has really been a, a key driving force for uh, e-commerce. And I think if we we take a look at, you know, the, the trend that you just referenced, seen on social in the Red Sky predictions, we know that uh, social is playing a pivotal role in, in e-commerce. And although that selling through um, social isn't a new concept, certainly like the players like what you referenced before, TikTok, have really turned this concept on its head. You know, it's no longer about just selling through social. It's about using social to sell the brand and really create that sort of hype 
and excitement and, and creating almost a trend around it. So I guess, you know, with so much focus on e-commerce and, and social, you know, there, I guess there's this real opportunity for brands to really differentiate themselves by providing, you know, quite unique in-store experiences and, and sort of driving it back to that, as you said, the retail bricks and mortar foundation um, and using experiential in these sort of physical environments to really help revitalize that customer experience and really add value by creating deeper and, I guess, more connected moments in a way that digital really, it, it just can't compete. So look, I, I, as I said before, this isn't really a new concept. And I know there's been a, quite a few brands that have been doing retail experiential really well. Um, and I think Nike, for example, is it's certainly been at the forefront for um, experience-based stores. I've got a really great examples um, that, you know, in 2010, almost 10 years ago, Steve and I were lucky enough to travel to um, to Tokyo on a work trip where we visited the Nike flagship store in Harajuku. And not only did they have this huge multi-storey base with an incredible layout, the interior, the design was really well considered, but it was, it was one of the first times that we saw experience-based stores with facilities such as um, and experiences such as there was a running studio which had sort of treadmills and thermal imaging that could help customers select the right shoe and, and match to their individual feet and running style. They also had the, the Nike studio where you could create your own custom pair of Nike. So being able to select different materials and colours and, um, and, and be able to order it uh, for, for a take-home experience. And it was really incredible. Like it was, we were blown away by this Nike store. But I think now we're sort of seeing brands take that same level of thinking and apply it in almost a, a next level experience. So, you know, one of the examples that we referenced in the white paper was from Canadian Goose, who's obviously a, a winter apparel brand. And they unveiled this immersive, immersive um, retail environment in Toronto, Canada. It was created so that customers in small groups could actually wear the Canadian Goose product and go on this almost this immersive trip inside the store where. You know, there will be things like interactive uh, installations, large video projections, soundscapes, and they even had a, um, a sub-zero room where they could, they could almost um, experience the brand and experience the apparel in a real-world environment. Kind of like a, it felt like kind of like a, um, a ride out of Disneyland, to be honest. So if we look at these changes in the, the retail environment, um, there's no doubt Obviously, e-commerce and online retail will it will continue to play a pivotal role um, in the brand ecosystem. But it doesn't mean that we should forget about the the physical retail spaces. It, it really does provide that key opportunity to, for brands to build strong brand connections. And I think if we leverage it well, Experiential can really add that further added value um, to the consumer journey to really help bring a brand to life um, and give it that sort of competitive edge as well. Uh, Michael and I had a coffee yesterday and, you know, I, we got pretty excited about this. One of the things I think that is, firstly, everything Michael said, tick, 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 so agree with all of it. Um, but I think one of the things I would like to communicate to, to retailers out there, particularly those in boardrooms looking at spreadsheets, is the commercial reality of why 
experience matters in bricks and mortar retail, right? Because when you're looking at a spreadsheet, sure, bricks and mortar has got a high cost per acquisition, it's high cost per sale, all of those things. But I say to people, you know, retailers is quite often the products you're selling in your stores are a commodity, right? Or you could buy those shoes anywhere because, you know, Nike is retailed everywhere or, or, you know, insert brand name here. And so all of a sudden, if you become a pure play uh, or if you're relying purely on your e-tail or your e-commerce, all of a sudden you as a brand in the store can quite easily become a commodity because there's a point where everyone has fast and easy customer experience on the website. Everyone has same-day delivery. Everyone has the same brands that you stock. Everyone has monthly sales. So all of a sudden, how are you differentiating yourself from an experience point of view? And so what I say is use your physical bricks and mortar retail experiences to actually feed your digital business and vice versa. So it's like, mm-hmm. don't become a commodity. Use your bricks and mortar spaces, create these immersive brand experiences, and then maybe I buy from the same brand or same store 20 times a year. And maybe 15 of them are going to be online. But the reason why I've picked them online 15 times is because of the five of the physical experiences I had. So there's a there's a there's a brand connection, but there's also just a dollars a dollars and cents argument to be had that it is actually what will help push forward your business and your model. It's it sounds like that when you think about the the bricks and mortar experience becoming more of a relationship builder, right? Instead of being transactional, it's now part of the relationship building, and it's almost like it's flipped where the digital has become a bit more transactional and it's what you see and experience and, and using all like that sensory experience, right? Bringing all the senses together when you walk into a brick and mortar a store, a retail establishment really helps embody the brand and, and surround you. Um, so it, it does seem like that has changed. Well, one of the things that you also build on in the white paper in terms of other factors shaping brand experience is this idea of co-creation and right with the explosion of TikTok, there's been a whole focus on the role of the creator. Almost you don't hear people talking about influencers anymore. It's all about creator and a real evolution in terms of how brands and their their customers and their audiences engage and shape the experience together. So maybe Connor, you can build a little bit on that theme. Yeah. So I guess this is my chance to sort of fangirl right now. So uh, in terms (laughs) of this category, brand collaborations, I love it. It gets me very excited. Um, And I guess that's really interesting because every brand now has that appetite and capability to launch any form of brand experience, right? And so what we've sort of found in our uh, research is that we're being introduced to this really like evolved category of its own from brand collaborations in our industry called co-creations. And so kind of looking ahead now while we're touching on this exponential growth of digital platforms, I think it's really worthwhile that we mention how we're sort of embracing the concept of having like no boundaries, Right. So no, not only in terms of physicality, but also in the creative sense as well, which is where this is being generating out of. Um, and then rather than anticipating this cultural influence, um, us as brand experience specialists, um, I think it's really cool that, you know, we're 
opening doors at the moment for a new generation of co-creatives, um, which, for example, could be um, in the form of participating in content design, um, those opportunities for deeper community engagements or leveraging um, entertainment tools to connect together. So um, it's really awesome to see brands becoming more open now to the idea of this shared ownership and being more unfiltered, right? So let's just wipe away all the perfections and having personalization now as a key touch point within the customer journey rather than an afterthought. Um, And essentially, you know, the rewards are greater if we can sort of understand how audiences can be part of the creation process. Um, I think one area to take inspiration from as well is edutainment. So insert marketing buzzword here. Um, (laughs) We kind of use this um, example in the white paper from Doja Code, uh, which, I mean, I will talk about Doja Cat at any opportunity I can get. Um, But um, essentially Doja Code was a a platform, the world's first codable music video, right? And so how cool is that in terms of the PR headline? Um, But more importantly, it was produced as a way to promote a career opportunity in the computer science field, right? So I never thought I'd, you know, say these words out of my mouth, but the amazing team behind Girls Who Code, um, the organization, and then Doja Cat herself teamed up to create this interactive site um, that lets fans alter key creative elements within the music video um, via really simple coding practices that you um, would input in terms of like changing hair color um, and like what she would do next in the music video. So just like really interesting ways to allow that creative process to be, you know, a togetherness. Um, and I'm going to sound like an infomercial, but, you know, if you would go to dojacode.com to try it out yourself. Um, but in summary, from activations like these, I think we can see that the mindset is really shifting from creating campaigns for audiences to creating campaigns with the communities that we value. I love that example. And we will include the link in the show notes. But building on what you said, um, so Courtney, maybe you could you could jump in here because an, a key audience for brands are their employees, right? Very often employees can be the ultimate brand ambassador. Mm -hmm. How are brands involving employees and and rethinking the brand experience coming out of the the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, Linda, you're right. I think um, we've talked before in previous papers about, you know, employees as brand ambassadors. And I think there's just a whole new way of looking at employees in the experience area as well. I mean, as we all know, there's been just, you know, unprecedented employee turnover in like every industry, every sector. And I think as as organizations are increasingly recognizing, you know, people are their greatest assets, they're really investing in the employee experience as well. The example we use in in the white paper is a pilot study that um, Spatial Inc. worked on with Wellstar Health Systems, and they created these immersive sound recovery rooms. So like hospitals, you know, across this country, Wellstar, which is in Atlanta, they have, you know, urgent problems with burnout among their doctors and nurses. And they've responded to this by creating these wellness rooms where the healthcare workers can escape and de-stress in a private space. And it's more than just creating a really nice lounge with some, you know, Zen music. Like they're really using experiential sounds effectively as actually a therapeutic tool. So it's it's taking it to another level. But, you know, it isn't just frontline workers that are experiencing burnout. 
Um, you know, we're all looking for ways to engage our employees, keep employees, attract new talent. Um, so really forward thinking companies are, are considering like they're reinventing their workspaces to include environments that focus on self-care and healing and wellness. And, and when you think too, as we reimagine our hybrid ways of working, you know, brands should think about the experience they're creating for employees, both in the physical work environments, um, by, but also by creating engaging team experiences, you know, um, just having free lunch or a happy hour, which is great. Always love a good happy hour, but that's not going to be enough. Um, to really create employee experiences. So um, you can think about all the things that like Michael and Kana and Steve have already been talking about, like all of these trends can be applied to creating an engaging employee experience in real life or virtually. So yes, looking at employees as co-creators, you know, looking at how we can use virtual tools to engage employees in new ways. I think that's an exciting area for brand experience that like we're only just tapping into. And we all know that engaged employees, productive employees are critical to delivering, right? A top-notch, first-class customer experience. And so it creates a ripple effect, you know, for the brand. Um, And then it creates this consistent experience because you, you know, we always talk about you have to see it to be it. And so if employees experience it, they could really help the customer see it and experience it themselves. I think that I'm so glad that that we looked at the brand experience from such a holistic fashion. What what an exciting place to be where, you know, for for anyone who works in the brand experience space, you're probably punching your fist in the air saying, yes, 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 right. Because this is what we've been wanting to talk about for so long, this holistic view on the brand experience, right? And now we're finally at a place where as an industry, we can talk about things like Courtney just went through the idea about how the employee experience and it's and the effects with the brand experience as a whole. It's no longer about is a sample on a corner of a street, you know, try it and, you know, maybe you'll tweet about it. Um, it's become so much more. A brand experience is no longer about uh, a pure marketing led strategy, but it's a business sort of philosophy and all that you do. And, you know, we've, we've said over and over again in, in every client meeting that we have basically is that, you know, consumers don't look at a brand and uh, delineate between marketing and non-marketing messaging, right? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if they did? It would be so great if consumers said, you know what, that press release was great, but the website's a bit crappy, but the physical store seemed okay, and but the sponsorship that they're doing with that soccer team is amazing. I heard that their brand experience internally is an like, wouldn't that be great? Because then we could just pull levers and say, we'll fix each of those places. But consumers, uh, our, our team, our stakeholders, they look at our brand holistically. And each one of those elements impacts the total view of the brand and the company. And sure, some influence more than others, but they all have an impact. And the fact that we're looking at this in this latest paper in such a holistic way is just such an exciting place to be. I agree. Well, so now, but let's take it to the next dimension, right? Because we've talked about bricks and mortar. We talked about e-commerce. We talked about employees. We talked about customers. But now the big focus has been in the metaverse and everyone rushing out, right? To set up shop, so to speak, in the metaverse. So Michael, talk to us. You know, um, what does it take? for a brand 
to be present in the the meta world, you know, and and how can a brand be authentic? Because as, as Steve was saying, to a consumer, to it's all one experience, regardless of where you are present. So, uh, what should brands be thinking about before they make that leap? Yeah, I'll just start by saying, look, obviously the metaverse has been an incredibly hot topic of conversation, particularly with the likes of Facebook and Microsoft pumping a huge amount of investment and resource into it. So it's certainly something that's been really high on the news agenda for quite some time. However, I will say that there's certainly been inklings of the metaverse already in existence, despite the fact that these big brands are working very hard to create Uh, what the metaverse will end up eventually being. So things like online games and sort of virtual universes, things like Fortnite, Minecraft, Roadblox, are just examples of of sort of companies that have developed games and the ambitions to be part of what the evolution of the metaverse will be. And I think we've really seen already some immersive multimedia experiences that really play on the the current metaverse in its current form. So things like um, Gucci, who teamed up with Roblox to create the Gucci Garden, which was all about creating this unique interactive uh, virtual exhibition. Even fashion house Balenciaga partnered with Epic Games to integrate their high fashion um, into Fortnite as part of the the skins or the, um, the wares that the character avatars can wear. So Look, there's definitely iterations of brands entering the early stages of the metaverse. And I, I think that um, experts are still predicting that we're, we're still sort of five to 10 years away from a true evolution of the metaverse becoming a reality. And, you know, once, once the metaverse is fully established, it will really allow users to live within this so called digital universe, this digital world where they can. They can almost work and play and and stay connected with friends from everything from sort of virtual concerts to um, virtual trips around the world. It will be a truly borderless um, experience. So removing the walls between platforms so so that users can seamlessly transition between experiences and and it will create endless opportunities for, for brands. So obviously, with all this hype and excitement around the metaverse, it can be quite daunting for a lot of brands. But I mentioned before the gaming platforms and new technologies that are already entering the market, it does provide this really great opportunity for for brands to start really experimenting and almost dipping their toes into core elements Mm -hmm. of the universe. And, you know, they shouldn't be afraid. It should be an exciting time for brands um, to really create experiences in the metaverse, which have the potential to really push the boundaries in terms of creativity and almost become quite, you know, more impactful than um, what they can do in the, in the physical world. So, you know, it's really important for brands when they're looking at their plans to look at ways that they can collaborate um, with the existing digital platforms and really allow uh, brands to tap into, you know, these new and quite far-reaching audiences and, and next-level communities. So I would love to get all of your takes on something. So before coming to the agency, I was on the brand side. And every time there was a new platform, it became like a shiny new coin. And every business leader was like, well, we have to be on this, right? 
And it was the singular focus. You know, first it was Facebook, then it was Twitter, then it was LinkedIn, then it was Instagram. Whether or not your audience was even on there, it's like everyone fell in love with the idea of something new. And this would be like the end all be all. So how do we, how do we think about right the metaverse? Even to some brands that have not yet established a presence on TikTok, how do you avoid getting caught up in what's new without taking care of the basics? Because now you have to manage your brand not only in the couple like multi-dimensional in a borderless, you know, with with customers and employees that each carry a very big megaphone that amplify what doesn't go right. So, best advice on you know, as we think about brand experience in light of all of these changes and this acceleration of digital, you know, what is maybe each of you can share a best piece of advice on how a brand could take advantage of all the opportunities, but be smart, be effective and ensure that uh, they're caring for the the perceived gaps and, and risks to their reputation. Linda, I feel like you almost answered your own question. In the past, sometimes people jump on these things without even knowing if their customers are there or their employees are there. So I think the first thing is you need to understand who your audience is, where are they engaging, are they interested in this, and is it even the right way to reach them? Because I think what you'll see in the white paper, because I don't think in this podcast we have enough time to even touch on all the all the trends that we talk about in the white paper. Like There's so many different things happening in brand experience that, yeah, the metaverse isn't going to be necessarily for everyone, certainly not for everyone right away, but there's so many different ways you can be engaging through a brand experience that knowing who your audience is and then figuring out the right way to engage with them is, is the simple answer. So we know, we know where your audience is. Okay. So kind of building on what Courtney said, what would be another trend factor consideration that brands should keep in mind when thinking about their go-forward experience? I think in terms of, I think, uh, what we've been speaking about looking after our communities, I think there's a huge um, space for being bespoke to be still of importance and thinking of that, those meaningful connections with brands that, you know, and they expect brands to understand and respond to their individual needs and sort of that uniqueness as well. So not the mass marketing strategies and experiences of the past. So um, with all that's going on, it's kind of okay to take a step back um, and see how the, the bespoke elements have evolved in their own ways and whether that's sort of the nature of like, micro events or like mini events so go yeah listen to all those like smaller sounding words um and that it's okay to to kind of step away and create your own thing as well so that you can still stand out from the crowd and so be relevant too right to the customers Absolutely. that you want to reach okay michael what would be your one piece of advice to brands as they rethink their experience I think mine might be quite similar to what Courtney was talking about in terms of knowing your audience. You know, I, I think there, there's so much at brands' disposal in terms of how they can activate, whether that is through digital realms, in-person experiences, through retail, knowing um, who your audience is and um, what, what kind of story as well that you're trying to communicate will certainly impact, I guess, the the way that you can approach brand experience. You know, uh, Steve mentioned before that it's great that 
the brand experience as a whole has been taken to a completely new level um, and it's far more integrated in, in terms of the likes of um, digital and social and, and PR and retail now that really the, the world is at your oyster almost. So, you know, the, the opportunities are, are endless. So um, knowing your audience and, and the sort of creative storytelling that you're trying to communicate will certainly dictate what opportunity is available for you. Such an important point, right? Have a story, know what you want to say. Because It sounds so simple, but yet it can easily be overlooked and not start with having clarity about what message, what do we want to communicate and how do we, you know, we want our customers, our consumers to feel. Okay, Steve, why don't you bring it home as we bring this conversation to a close? Wonderful for me is, you know, meaning matters, right? And we say, you know, our, our philosophy here for our brand experience and experiential uh, team at Red right across the world is, you know, we're, we're on a mission to create meaningful brand experiences. And it's really important that brands know that what they think is meaningful might not be meaningful to their consumers. And that matters. So it's not what you want to say, it's what people want to know and what they want to hear and learn. I think that just to round that off, one thing that we've, I mean, one of the many things we've learned off the back of these last couple of years is that there's a reason why love and belonging has lived on Maslow's hierarchy of needs as long as it has, right? And that's because we all want a sense of connection and belonging. And so as we've all shared today, the opportunities are endless. Um, It's so easy to get it right, but it's also so easy for brands to get it wrong And so spend time thinking about what your holistic brand experience is because too often we've seen brands invest so much time and money and resources into so many great things to have it let down by one small thing. So the opportunities are endless, but always go back to what is our central belief is that meaning matters and please be sure to create meaningful brand experiences. Thank you. That What a perfect way to end this conversation. Steve, Michael, Courtney, Kana, thank you again so much for joining us. Can't wait to share the white paper with our listeners. Again, we will put links to the white paper and some of the other resources we mentioned in our show notes. And I hope you will come back as you continue to dig into the ever-changing world of brand experience and you know update us on what you're finding. Great conversation, Linda. Now it's time for our red questionnaire. Gonna pass it over to my friend, Ellen Mallerney Barnes, who welcomes Mel Panavi, Business Director at Red Havas, Philippines. Welcome to the red questionnaire segment of our podcast. I'm Ellen Mallerney Barnes, and this month I get to welcome to the show, Mel Panavi, who is Business Director at Red Havas in the Philippines. Mel, this is when I can viscerally feel how global our agency is because I'm winding down for the day and you're just waking up. Um, I'm in the United States where it is 6 p.m. and you're in the Philippines where I believe it's now 8 a.m. It's 8 a.m., yeah. So hello, my colleague from across the world. (laughs) Hello, Ellen, and thank you for having me here, yeah. Welcome. Yeah, I have five questions for you. Each month, we ask our guests the same five questions to get a read on what's inspiring Redsters and what makes them tick. So now it's your turn. Uh, Let's get started. Cool. Great. 
how would you describe your job to a child? Mm, okay. Um, I would say I, I have a 12 year old and she did ask me about, you know, my work. And I will always tell her uh, companies and brands would usually want to have their message put out. And some of them will need help in doing that. And my job is to make sure that whatever it is that they want to, to you know, to, to tell other people is accurate and it has um, something of an impact to, to their target audience. Does she think it's cool what you do? She, uh, she doesn't, she's not really as impressed as much as my son, who's 17 years old yeah. and who wants to get into marketing. So, you know, whenever I, I talk to him about, you know, clients, um, about what I'm doing, he's really quite interested. And sometimes just to, to give him a feel for what agency life is, um, whenever I do um, ideation, I do brainstorming, I try to bring him in cool. uh, and I ask for his, uh, for his thoughts and ideas, uh, which he really appreciates. And I think um, gives him like more of a, bragging rights to his classmates when <laughs> they hey my, my dad just asked me for for ideas for for a pitch that's so neat i mean good ideas can come from anywhere yeah exactly and i think he's given me a couple of really you know nice insights that i've actually used for a pitch i love that <laughs> well i know travel is limited for you these days because of the pandemic um but could you tell us your favorite place that you've traveled Oh, um, in my previous line of work, um, I work for a renewables energy company. Um, I actually got the opportunity to travel to a lot of uh, places here in the Philippines. And I would say the one place that really stuck with me uh, is this island in Bohol. Um, that's in the Visayas region. It's called Balikasag Island. And it's a marine sanctuary. And it's full of marine life. And you get to, uh, they bring you about probably around 20 feet away from the, the, the shore and you get to swim with everything. It's like, imagine swimming inside an aquarium and it's essentially, that's it. I, I mean, I've seen like uh, sea turtles. I've seen um, just so many fish. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. That sounds magical. Well, I hope you get to go back soon. Yeah, actually, I, I'm planning to go back, uh, if not this year, probably next year with my family. I always keep telling them about that experience. Uh, is there a favorite blog or podcast that you would like to share with us? Oh, um, if you're going, if I'm going to like put on like some kind of like uh, professional spin on it, it might be the public relations podcast, but that would be kind of disingenuous <laughs> <laughs> because you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm more of a reader than a listener. Ah. So, if you're going to ask me about podcasts, my actual and real favorite would be the Black Tapes and um, the Magnus Archive. I love that kind of like um, those X Files types of stories. So that's, if you're going to ask me about podcast, that would be it. <laughs> well, that kind of leads into my next question, which is, what is your guilty pleasure? I'm a collector by nature. So I, that is really my main hobby. I have a, an excessive CD collection. I, I do per, collect perfumes. I'm an action figure collector as well. Yeah, so that would probably my be my guilty pleasure, mainly because it 
is eating into my savings. <laughs> well, question if you're since you're on lockdown sort of right now, um, do you still wear perfume even if you don't have nowhere to go? Oh yeah, I do. Even if there's like like a um a, a Zoom meeting, mm-hmm. I, I would choose something. Like, yeah. oh, this it might be a good uh perfume to wear for this particular pitch because this is about a certain product. Keeps me on the mood. Yeah, yeah. Well, we like to ask also what's top of mind in the news for Redsters. Uh, is there a certain headline that's grabbing your attention right now? Right now, we are in the middle of election season for um, the national elections. So if you're going to ask me about the headline that's grabbing me, it will have to essentially be about politics right now. Uh, it's about the candidates uh, for the president. And it's turning out to be quite a divisive race. So we're also very concerned about that because we know that whoever will be elected in May will also have an impact on the brands and you know the the companies that we we do handle. Yeah. So how do you prepare for that with crisis comms? Yeah, uh, crisis comms, and then we also um, try to provide our clients with um, insights. Um, that's where social listening comes in. Um, that's something that we uh, always uh, tell our clients that uh, as a service, it's something that we should be able to incorporate into into the whole plan. All right. Well, Mel, that does it for us. That's that's your five questions for today. Oh, cool. <laughs> this, it was so much fun, actually. <laughs> sure, no, I appreciate you getting up bright and early to chat with me. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. All right. Thank you, Mel. Thank you for joining the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas. Please make sure to subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to rate and review today's show. We'd love to hear from you.